and welcome to Sports Maneuver Radio. Who's ready for Lisa Nucci and EJ the Raymaker? We are now live in three, two, one. Yes, we are. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Palooza Radio Show. It is Thursday, November 17th, as we come to you live from the Big Apple here in New York. Pretty nice show in store for everyone today. So let me again welcome everybody. Say hello. I am EJ the Gar Rainmaker. EJ the Gar Rainmaker. That's how I'm going to talk to myself today. It's like that. That's right. <laughs> Joining me, of course. For four years now is the lovely Lisa. That's how I've introduced you forever now. So let's do it again. Hello, lovely Lisa. What's happening over there? Well, you got I, I am EJ, the Gar Rainmaker guy. Yeah, that's me today. You got mine right. Yep. You were doing that's so well. I tried so hard not on, to laugh. I know. really were. I was on a roll. But I want to be known as something else. What do you want to be known as today? What the you Snow say? Queen? I want to be known as the Snow Queen, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you want to explain the Snow Queen to people? Okay, this is so... Sit back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that great of a story, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, so, as you know, he calls himself the Rainmaker. You know. So, a couple weeks ago, I made a prediction on a game. <laughs> and my I can't remember which game, yeah. but my, my prediction right. happened. Yeah. I got it right. Yeah. And then I got it right another time. Yeah. And I looked at him, and I'm thinking, what's the opposite of the rainmaker? And I thought, snow is opposite of rain. So I kinda. looked at him, and I, yeah, kind of. And I said, well, from now on, you can just address me as the snow oh, queen. Boy. So I've been riding that a little bit yeah. since then. So I want to surprise you, though. Right. So what you don't know is that I thought, all right, if I came on the show and started talking about being the snow queen, I'd have to make an on-air prediction. Oh, now you're going to start making on-air Just prediction. one. It will be it's a so- one-time only on-air <laughs> prediction because if I don't get this right, I'm done. <laughs> so I decided to look at tonight's game oh, boy. with the New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah? And they are playing. Yeah. Who are they playing? Come on, you're the, one, you're the expert. They're here. playing Carolina. You should know. I know who they're playing. They're playing Carolina. I know who they're playing. So I even went as far as looking to see what the over-under was, yeah, okay? If I read it right, 52. which right, yeah. I read it as 52 is, yeah. is the over-under or, or whatever. Yeah, that's the total. That's about as far as my, much of my knowledge is. Yeah. So I figured that both of these teams stink. Okay. So I think there's going to be a lot of scoring because I don't think there's any defense on either side. So I'm going to say that it's going to be over 52. Wow. And I actually think that the New Orleans New Orleans Saints are going to pull it out. On the road. On the road. Wow. And I'm a little hesitant on that particular part of it because it is on the road. Yeah. But I don't like Carolina. So <laughs> so I'm that's that's my bet. That's the one and only time I'm gonna do this on the air. The rest of my bets will be private. But I wanted to give it a shot and surprise you and say, Hey, the Snow Queen has arrived. Wow. What do you think? Hey, there's nothing wrong with taking the Saints over. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's listening to our shows on Sunday over at uh, MusicalExpansionSports.com knows that uh, I have never had a problem suggesting a New Orleans Saints over <laughs> for three years now. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, good luck with your little play there, Snow Queen. Go, girl. <laughs> well, there was also one day, I remember when this all started, there was one game that you had a bet on, and I don't remember what college team it was. Yeah. 
But you were saying, me and oh, her, me and her yeah. taking the over, and you were like, I like the under. Uh, oh, no, no, of course, no, the under came in, me and Eric are going, okay, still queen. Well, there there was an incident <laughs> where you didn't think that the teams were going to come back. Yeah. And I told you, I said, it's early in the game, yeah. give them time. And you're like, no, nah, the game's over, the game's over. Yeah. And what happened, lo and behold, the teams come back, yeah. and he gets his bet in that particular case. And I just took one look at him and said, well, you know, you really should listen to your wife. It's sure. just kind of this understated facts yeah. that men should know. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where it started a little bit, and it's kind of jumped to the snow queen. Just tell everybody what we have going on here. We have a lot going on. You just want me to get off the snow queen. No, no. I want to get gonna, our guests. Get next our guests week I'm going to dress in a snow queen outfit. Nice. So there you go. Nice. If I win. How the hell am I supposed to do this show with you dressed in a snow queen outfit? <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay, so first of all, let's jump back and let's welcome everybody to Sports Palooza Radio. <laughs> Today we have a really fun show um, with Jay the yep. Gar, Rainmaker, right. uh, and we're welcoming our both of our two our, our yep. two guests. I can talk yep. to you, hey, Gar. We're gonna get through this. <laughs> we are gonna get through this. No. <laughs> Amy Howard um, oh, is, yeah. is stopping by, and Amy um, is. Is a professional whore. Um, she sure. she does dressage, yeah. and, and and you know this is interesting because there's a lot of things that we haven't covered before on this yeah. show, and that we don't really know. Like yeah, that. we've yeah. done horse horse racing. Yeah. We've done a couple instances where people have saved some horses, and we've cool. told their story. We haven't really done this aspect of it, so Amy's going to kind of lead us down this new road. Um, I actually thought what she does was fascinating. I love horses. I oh, think yeah. they're gorgeous creatures. Beautiful animals. They are, and can't wait to talk to her about what she does. I know she's on hold for us right now, so we're going to get to her in just a couple oh, okay. minutes. Um, so Hi, Amy. Just hang tight. <laughs> we'll be with you in just a couple minutes. We're coming. And then, um, then we're going to jump over to a completely different yeah. sport, you think? which is uh, the sport of professional wrestling, which wow. everybody knows that I've been following since I was a kid. Wow. And one of the um, iconic oh wrestlers of, you know, all time oh. in professional wrestling oh, was Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> and sadly, wow. uh, Piper died last year at yeah. age 61. And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't actually shed a lot of tears. Um, you know, that was a tough one. Scene. Yeah. Between Roddy and Dusty Rhodes in the past yeah. year, uh, yep, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know I've shed a, a couple of tears on this. Um, and Ultimate Warrior, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's been yeah. we've lost definitely a, a lot of legends in the industry. Yeah. And um, but what happened was, and we'll get into more about this in a little while. Roddy was actually starting to write his bio. Yeah. And unfortunately, didn't get a chance to finish it. And his son and his daughter stepped in to finish the book for him. And we have a copy. We have a copy of the book. <laughs> and we're going to have his son, Colt Bear Toombs, uh, stopping by um, cool. in just a little while to talk to us about Roddy's career and the book. And we're going to talk to Colt about his career in professional yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So can't wait for that as a WWE fan. I'm excited about that. Very cool. um, for those of you who are tuning in to us for the first time, thank you so much. <laughs> and please follow us at Palooza Radio on Twitter. Yeah. Um, EJ the Rainmaker, uh, that's his handle, at EJ the Rainmaker. And mine is at uh, Gal Sportswriter. Or you can also follow me at Virgin Traveler. Uh, so, you know, we we have a lot going on. I mean, um, before we do anything, I'd like to congratulate you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, you ready? Go ahead. All right. Everybody sit back. <laughs> Amy, move, Amy, move back a little bit. This one's going to get loud. Campione, campione, ole, 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 ole. 
Yeah. Oh, I got I got tears in my eyes already. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to get all emotional today, but here we go. <laughs> Cosmos won the championship on Sunday, and oh my God. That was a good game. You have no idea, man. Uh, you have an idea because you saw it. But, yeah, a shootout. And I was not two feet from that goal. I videoed the entire shootout right next to the goal. <laughs> yeah, I was a mess. Yeah, I'm still a mess. Yeah, I was I'm, a mess. Yeah, I was, I was a mess. <laughs> so, so, for those of you who maybe, believe it or not, may not follow for, uh, soccer, this uh, the New York Cosmos are the North American Soccer League champions. Champions. And uh, tell them your record of yeah. being in the stadium yeah. and then winning. Yeah, it's a pretty obnoxious stat. Yeah, I know. I have been. I have been to 27 Cosmos games in my life, <laughs> and the Cosmos are 26 and one. <laughs> One loss to New England at that damn U.S. Open Cup this year. That hurt. But uh, other than that, yeah, if I show up at Cosmos games, they got a pretty good shot of winning that football game. And, uh, yeah, that's the championship. Oh, my God. Celebrating with everybody on the field. Oh, my God. Yeah, check my EJ the Rainmaker feed. I got videos and pictures. Oh, oh, oh. Picture you with David. Yeah, me and David O'Chang out there. I, I, David O'Chang, I, I, he is a fantastic player, and he's a amazing guy and I, just every time I see him at the games someone saw him and I just at on the field and uh we you know give each other a big hug someone snapped a great photo of him and I just oh I loved it and I uh, posted it on, on Twitter and Facebook too just what a photo it's a great shot of him and I just <laughs> yeah and uh so that's cool stuff of course and uh you know we have our major league fantasy sports radio show coming up on Sunday at 11 o'clock which of course we used to do here on Sports Palooza but now we're over at Major League Fantasy Sports. I'm hosting that uh, with Corey, and uh, we're having a good time over there. My goodness, so much fun. Uh, of course, college football only has a couple games left for everybody, and then it's bowl season. And what do we what do we call? I know, I know. And what do we call bowl season around here? It's the most wonderful time. My God, I'm singing today. All right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's two games left, and then it's bowl season. I yeah. honestly. Season's over. That. And it starts in the end of August or the beginning of September. Yeah, last weekend of August. That flew. First week of September, that absolutely yeah. flew. Yeah. That's crazy. Last thing I want to leave everybody with is the USA soccer team still stinks. My God, I got beat down the other night in Costa Rica. Four nothing. And now they're at the bottom of the group to advance to the World Cup. So as, as of now, you will, not, you will not see the USA in the World Cup of 2018 in Russia if they finish like this. No USA team in the World Cup. <laughs> Goodbye, Jurgen Klinsman. <laughs> that, that'll about wrap up his coaching career. Right, you don't make the World Cup. It's all right. Yeah, we'll get Coach you over there. Let's make that team win. No doubt. All right, we, right, we want to get to our guest. You, know, you want to get some, some to some off the field stuff that you got going no, on? Actually, I'm excited I've to been, talk to Amy. Uh, yeah, so am I. I've been uh, actually quite busy working on some uh, assignments. Yeah. And a new book I have coming out next year. So um, it's been busy. And so I'm actually ready to talk to Amy nice. as well. So. Amy Howard. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Are you with us? I am with you. Hi, Lisa and EJ. How are you? Uh, hello, Amy. How are you doing today? What's happening? Um, beautiful day here in New Jersey. It was a great day to ride horses. The sun is shining. It's uh, it's really nice. A little chilly when it gets kind of chilly like this. Does it make it a little tougher? I mean, that's only about 55 degrees or so. We're right, we're not that far. So it's, uh, you know, when it gets chillier, does it make it tougher? Or is it just more fun? You get the adrenaline going. It just takes a little longer to get there or what? <laughs> 
Um, you know, the horses love this weather. When it's too hot, yeah. you know, it's kind of like people, yeah, absolutely. They It gives them a little extra energy and a little extra pep to their step, and, and they really nice. they really enjoy this, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can tell you, though, my, my daughter took several years of, of horseback riding lessons when she was younger, and all I remember about the cold weather is standing in the barn freezing <laughs> my butt off. Because those barns were so cold, and I'm like, well, I got a little pep in my step right now, you know. <laughs> but it, it was great. I mean, the, the the horses are just such beautiful creatures. But I want to start with you because we we've never covered this topic yeah. before, and I want to make sure first that I'm pronouncing it right. Is it dressage? Dressage. Yes, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Can you explain to our listeners who may not know or have a background? I mean, we've all, I'm sure, seen it on television, but what exactly is it? So the the definition is the art of riding and training a horse in a manner that develops obedience, flexibility, and balance within the horse. Um, the the best comparison, I think, um, it's always kind of fun to compare people and and you know, these equine athletes. And I would say the closest comes in would be a dancer. So the, the dressage horse is trained to, um, through series of movements, to become more flexible, more agile on their feet, to be able to perform movements that eventually at the Olympic level are put to music and then they kind of have a, a choreographed dance. <laughs> I've watched, there there was one video that went viral um, probably like a month or so ago that was absolutely beautiful with the horse um, dancing to the music sideways and the bowing and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was unbelievable. So how did you get into, now I know that you you rode as, as a kid, but there's a difference between riding as a kid like my daughter did and making it a career like you did. What what was that trigger for you that you said, I, I need to be doing this for the rest of my life? I, I did grow up around it. My mother rode a bit. My grandfather had a farm in, in North Jersey, and his father actually made a living in the um, as a livery stable, uh, with a livery stable. So horses have always kind of been in our family blood, in a way. Um, and it was just something that I couldn't get enough of. And to be honest, I was far better at it than I was any sports. Um, And I just, it was something that I just enjoyed taking these horses. At that time, I did a little jumping and trail riding. And there's so many different riding disciplines. So I kind of played around with all of them, um, but found the dressage really suited my um, riding ability and personality the best. Now, this obviously this is something though that you can make a career out of. Is just on the competitive level, or do you do other things? I mean, I know you have like your own training, and you're you know to talk a little bit about how it's just beyond the competitive for you. Absolutely, there's a few different aspects to to what I do. Um, I teach um, riders, so so a lot of my clients are ladies, 
professional um, women who are interested in competing their horses at competitions themselves. So my paid job is actually to train their horses to a certain level um, that they want to compete at and then also using their horse and understanding their horse as a tool to teach them how to ride in that way. And then I'm also a coach at horse shows um, and kind of structuring their competitive career. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff, too. It's neat. It's neat. It is. It is. I mean, actually, taking years of your knowledge and handing it over, like, listen, this is how you do this and that. I mean, what's cool about that is in, like, 40 years, 50 years later, people are going to be using what you taught them to teach someone else that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that gets me in you. It's like, you know, you're you're instilling, like, a way of doing things for for, for a long time to come. People respect you, and they know that you know what you're doing. You you, you feel that back from the people who are learning. I think that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a really rewarding um career and and I I love teaching and and it's really fun to yeah. watch um you know somebody develop a feeling, you know, like golf, a golf swing where somebody's working on their swing and working on and then all of a sudden, you know, something <coughs> clicks and they get it, you know, and that's and you just get it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Love that stuff, and, and as you know, I love the, the services that you're talking about, Amy, too, with the full board stuff. I think I would just show up there just so you could show me how to co- clean the horse and do the blanket stuff, like because uh, right. I mean, riding can be intimidating for some people. I I think that all the other stuff is kind of cool too, to be honest with you. Just because I mean, giving them baths and doing all because horses love that stuff too, and when they when they feel taken care of, that trust factor is so cool between a horse and a person. I, I mean, it's just it's, when you build that with a horse, there's such a feeling behind that. Absolutely, it's a the the horses actually love their routine, and so they have a daily schedule just like an athlete would as well. And they they enjoy their baths, and they they get um, you know they have their feeding routine and grooming. They also get some alternative therapies like acupuncture and things like that because they're an athlete also. Um, but it the connection and the bond with the animal is actually what develops over time to make a pair really competitive and it's a unique sport um, because you know I think it's the only for the Olympics they the FEI who is the international governing of dressage put out a campaign it was called two hearts they're trying to actually remove it the equestrian sports from the Olympics but two hearts is the only um sport in the Olympics where you're competing with an with a living animal. You know, it's it's really unique. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's almost it's just as important as finding a good dance partner or a good skating partner. I mean <laughs> you're you know, you have to build that relationship together and, and that, that that's a process that, that I, I think is the coolest thing ever, Amy. <laughs> Honestly, no, I No, that's I, great. I said, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to ask you because hello, hello. In, in reading a little bit about your background, I saw the word holistic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was really important to me because, you know, I, I, I love animals and, and care about how they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me um, taking care of an animal, um, a horse, in a holistic manner versus, like, what was done before that <laughs> it had to actually be a holistic matter now? Yeah. Right. I mean, there's 
so um, there are different styles of, of training, and, and there are some schools of thought, I'd say maybe in, in the 70s and, and 80s, where, you know, these horses have such value. Um, some of the horses are trained and bred, and, and the value of them can be ranged from $20,000 to a million dollars. And what starts to happen when you put value on an animal is a lot of times you start to restrict them in a way where maybe some of their natural instincts that a horse are as a horse are a little removed, such as you don't turn them out in the pasture anymore because horses play on their own, and as large as they are, they tend to be fragile creatures. So those are the kinds of things that I I have a little bit of a different structure in my program. So my horses all are turned out during the day so that they have their own grazing time um, and kind of their own me time, you know, where they're kind of, they go back to the roots of being a horse. Um, and, and I guess that's probably the biggest um the biggest differential between maybe what I do, and, and there are other people that that approach the horses this way as well, but I, I really believe that the the happiest horses are those horses where you take their natural instincts and you 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 know you keep them a happy athlete as they're working with you and doing these crazy things like getting sticking them in a truck, taking them to Madison Square Garden putting them in front of 20,000 people and then maybe asking them to do their dance routine, you know, like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. And, and I think it's important that, you know, the horse has, you know, they're working for us. So I work for them to make sure that, you know, as a horse, they're happy with themselves and happy with their life at home. And that I, I turn them out and then I just manage them, you know, no rough playing out there, but, you know, keeping them happy and their work is important. Yeah, it is. And uh, you guys have events up here near us a little bit. We're, 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 near, we're near the Hopewell Wapitus place up here. You guys go to Saugerties once in a while and host events. And when are you going to announce your next, I know October 2nd was your last event. When are you guys going to announce your 2017 schedule? Are you going to have one come out soon? Um, yes, actually, I'm working on that now um, for, for our barn. And you're right, Saugerties is okay. one of my favorite venues. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we Saratoga, all that stuff, uh, anywhere near, uh, you know, the, uh, the Saugerties. Yeah. I'm just talking about this whole area up here when you start working your way outside of New York and you work your way up north. It's just so, isn't it amazing the change you see up here? Amy, you know what it's like to be up here. <laughs> like, people think of the city, and then they like, you, you come up here and you're like, am I really still in New York? Like, really? <laughs> right? Beautiful. It's just such a beautiful area. Yeah, it's, yeah. along with loving the horse show, it's, it's such a nice area to um, – to you know, just spend some time in and go to a restaurant and see the leaves changing, and just so beautiful. Yeah, Hudson Valley is beautiful. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned um, Saugerties, and I know that they have a lot of the the hits on the Hudson up here, and mm-hmm. a lot of the shows up here, and and they're they're so cool to watch. 
Um, where has been for you the most memorable thing in your career that you've done, at, you know, whether it could be a place that you had to go to or an event that you participated in? What kind of sticks out with you as, as yeah, I can't believe I had a chance to do that? I really enjoy the Wellington Circuit. Um, the Wellington, Florida is the area that I'd say 80% of the competitors um, Midwest and East Coast go to in the winter. And in Wellington, most of our Olympic qualifiers and, and things like that are held there because it's such a concentrated number of um, the top professionals in our country. So competing in that atmosphere and being surrounded by, you know, your fellow professionals, just it gives you such a great boost. Um, so I would say competing down there. And, and dressage at Devon, I noted on the bio you were, you were curious about what that is. That's another really classic um, top show in the United States that is a, a show that you have to qualify for. Um, and so com- competing at the FEI level, which is the international level in any of those shows, has just been my dream. Wow. So like the Palm Beach International, stuff like that, like can't believe it. I'd love Absolutely. to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. They have all the show jumping events there, festivals. That, that's like a, I mean, that's an event. I mean, Amy, <laughs> you're talking about like a three-month-long event, like how you doing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of um, trainers, they're down there for four, maybe sometimes even four months, and you just you put your show schedule together, and, and it's the best competition there is. Now, you, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you haven't competed in the Olympics, but you do have a connection to somebody who has competed in the Olympics or at least qualified for the Olympics, correct? Correct. Correct. Nancy Pilaster, who was – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Nancy was – Nancy Pilaster, who was um, my mentor, which, which I think is a really important way to do it. I worked together with her for about 10 to 12 years and, and basically wow. apprenticed under her into training young horses up to the Grand Prix level. She qualified two horses for the Olympics. Um, unfortunately, she had her horses, um, two situations where one had an injury and the other couldn't go. Um, but oh. uh, under, I know, it stinks, right? I mean, can you, Wow. like such a shame. <laughs> She's a super, super rider. Um, so Wait, can I, I ask you, though? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that we have a little bit of a lag, so I do apologize that we oh, that's kind right. of on top of what you're saying. But just, you know, the one thing I think of, though, is, is you know, in terms of qualifying for the Olympics, I mean, yeah, it is a process, but does, I have to ask this gently. Does age matter? Because, I mean, it's the age of the horse. Who can couldn't isn't this something that that if you don't get into the Olympics or don't get to compete one time you you have many opportunities coming up whether it be with that horse or a different horse am I right? Absolutely. In fact, there was a Japanese rider who was competing in his mid seventies um, at yeah. the at the last wow. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I remember that. Wow, that's, that's and, amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. 
we're, we're big on the Olympics around here. We, we, yeah. We've interviewed about 35 or 40 Olympians. So yeah. That's why we brought that up. Because, you know, the Olympics are still one of the coolest things out there, especially when it comes to the horse racing stuff uh, and all mm-hmm. these equestrians. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, are they going to lose it? Is this, is this something that we're not going to be seeing a lot more of in 15, 20 years? What are you thinking? You know, it's it's actually growing. Um, it's interesting that, that they've reviewed it for the Olympics, and I'm not quite sure why, but it is a sport that is really growing, even with the show jumping and the dressage. So it will be there, and, and actually the United States has really um, pushed for development and um, some new venues to be built. One is in, in Tryon, North Carolina, um, South Carolina, and so I, I think it, it it's here to stay, and it's definitely been one of my goals, um, which is why I worked for Nancy because she's she's been there and done it. So she's still uh, my trainer, and I have two young horses now that are um, two horses that I'm training and working and competing, and and we'll see how far we get. So you you let me write to my next question. How do you know? What, what horse is going to be qualified to, to be a jumper or, or to be a show horse? or Like, how can you really tell, you know, how you're going to train them? I mean, obviously there's a training factor that goes into any of it, but are there specific types of horses that make a transition to be a jumper easier? You, you know, I mean, it may seem like a stupid question, but I'm just wondering, like, are there certain horses that are bred for certain events? Absolutely. Um, and okay. and there, are, there are different breeds as well as different bloodlines within a breed. So, you know, a thoroughbred is a breed, the thoroughbreds of the runners. Um, and the breed that I tend to purchase and, and use for a dressage horse are Dutch Warmbloods, which have are a little bit of a heavier type of horse. They're probably maybe the medium, right, between a draft horse okay. and a thoroughbred. So then the, the specific breeds and bloodlines, they're bred to do a certain job. Um, some of the best jumpers, you know, those lines are used bred for jumping. And then I also have um, a connection in the Netherlands who he really knows young horses and helps me choose uh, the horses that he thinks would fit my program best. Nice. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so you're okay, so when when's the next Olympics that you would be eligible for? I mean, the, in four years we'll we'll have an, another one. I I think my horses would not be ready at, at that point. I think it would be the the following. So probably in in eight years. Um, but it, but it all depends. You know, things can get accelerated quickly. I'll at probably in about two years they'll be competing in Wellington. Um, and you know it's a long road of training, just like a, a human athlete. You hit bumps and um, bumps in the road, and you're always avoiding injury. So, you know, all those things go well, and that's what we'll be looking at. Yeah. What if someone came to you? I know you have your own two horses, but what if someone came to you and said, "Look, I have horse that's ready in four years, going to be ready definitely. I want you to do it." Is there? A, a way that you can do that, or does that horse have to really be with that trainer for the Olympics for the whole time? Uh, no, in fact, that would be wonderful if there's anybody out there that would like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but no, it's it, it. You can do that, and in fact, there are. I've been a sponsored rider as well, um, not at the Olympic level, but at the at an international level, which is you know pre St. George intermediate level, and some, yes, some owners are looking for you know kind of a jockey, but we're not really you know it's not really the same. It's, it's a dressage rider. Um, and that would, that's a great thing to have a, a sponsorship where the horse is trained. You know, you, you kind of get on and the buttons are there on the horse and, and you build a relationship. It takes a little bit of time. Um, but a lot of, a lot of our Olympic horses have been purchased as Grand Prix horses, uh, eight to, you know, just to do the qualifying period and then go to the Olympics. Oh, wow. Um, you do stuff in Europe too, like you actually, you know, you you guys do some stuff. I'm looking at your website. You go, you go to Europe, and you guys help other people make European purchases and stuff like that as well, or no? Yes, um, I, Marcel, who is um, I've been close to for for ten years, he helps with our training as well as selecting horses for myself and my students or sponsorships. Um, and so he he travels in Europe looking for the right match for people. You know, it, it's finding the right horse for yourself. Um, there's a lot of different types of horses. There's horses with more energy. There's horses that are bigger, you know, um, horses that are quieter. So each rider fits best with a certain type of horse. So he helps us find that horse and um, make the purchase. That's cool. That's amazing because I've never, like I said at the beginning of the show, that you're going to kind of walk us through all this. I never really looked at, as much as I absolutely love them and I think that they're beautiful, I never really thought that they, I know they have personalities because you've seen them in, in some of these videos and watching them do their dances and stuff and you're like, wow, that that's really cool. But I never thought of like a personality that connects between the horse and the, the rider, whereas if the rider's aggressive and the horse isn't, they may not get along or vice versa. You know, I never really thought that that would play in. So I, I, I learned a lot. I learned that that's awesome. Now, can I ask you, like, in terms of the and, – and we don't have to get technical about this, but when, when you do compete, you, there's scoring, of course. I mean, what are the judges looking for when when they're out there, and how do they know? You know, I guess they know because they just they they know well. they've been doing it for so long. But what is it that they're really looking for, and what is what makes a horse stand out and get such a great score? The the ultimate would uh, a dressage test has a lot of expression and power within the horse. And the movements are created without seeing what the rider is doing. So as a, as a broad picture, when you're watching the horse go through their movements, there's a lot of expression and dynamics, as there are in music, um, but it looks effortless, just like a, like a dancer. And that's, I mean, not to get technical, that, those are the horses and rider combinations that win. Pretty cool stuff. You know, when we were looking at Crosswind Farm, I was all hopeful that it was in Hopewell, New York, because we're, we're right here. And then I saw Hopewell, New Jersey, and I was all disappointed. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you I thought we were right down the street. 
mean, what a facility that, that you guys have there. You have some nice pictures of it, and it looks gorgeous. I mean, have, having them involved with all the stuff that that you have going on, how to be a, a blessing in disguise. Look at this place. I, it's it's gorgeous to have them. And, and you actually have two facilities now, huh? Um, there's the Crossman's Farm is, is where we work out of. Um, I, David, my fiancé, and I live here and run the farm um and we purchased it about a year and a half ago and we've been making renovations to make it uh the training center that that we would like it to be we've changed some of the footing in the indoor just like any kind of runner runner or dancer the surface that they're working on is really important and so we've been um really making it the training center that we would like to be and then we, you know, we have in Wellington, when we go down, we rent a facility. So we, we just own Crossland. I see. And uh, well, how many acres? You, you must have a, it looks like there's a bunch of land there. We have 11 acres and we have um, various size. Yeah, it's, it's a nice size. It's a nice size. Nice. And we're, yeah, we're um, actually on, we're surrounded by, preserved farmland and the Amwell Valley hunt um, comes through the area. So we're very much in horse country here. That's awesome. Um, how do people, can people actually just show up there and say, hi, I, 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 whether they heard of us here or not, I'm just saying, can people just show, show up at Crossman Farm and say, uh, you know, I, I'd love to know more about what's going on here. Can people find you socially? I mean, tell people how they can really find you if they really want to. Absolutely. My, my website is amyhowarddressage.com. And I have a Facebook um, account that's under my name, Amy Howard, and I also have a business page. Um, on the website is an email contact or my cell phone. And if, if anybody's interested, we're a very welcoming barn. We love to share the excitement of working for ho- with horses and, and doing this. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very open to visitors and, and having fun. Well, we're very open to sending people your way because you've been very, very cool with us. I mean, that's very cool, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is really great. Yeah. Well, thanks, Amy. And, um, you know, down the road as, as we get closer to the next Olympics or if you have something else going on, you know, please come back and tell us uh, so that we can, you know, help to get your more of your story out there and let people know where you're going to be. And so. your schedule. Can you let, get, throw us your schedule when you have it posted so, uh, you know, we can let people know when you're going to be hosting events? Absolutely. I will do that. That would be great. Yeah, we'll post them on our social Palooza page and let people know uh, when you're hosting your next events for 2017 so everybody can come kind of find you. Yeah. Okay. Terrific. Sure, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, we do open right, houses cool. and some fun things at the farm, too, so that, that would be super. No, of course. Nice. Amy, thank you so much yeah. for being here and for I and I know that you and I tried to do this once before and thanks for rescheduling with us. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and good luck with it all. I, I've learned a lot today, so thanks so much for sharing it. Oh, cool. oh thank you for having me. All right. All right, Amy, take, take care. care. Okay, but Cool. Oh, cool. I, I, I apologize like for cutting her off in the middle of her butt butt. butt. <laughs> so, I do apologize about no, that. No, that's cool. But, cool. I mean, I, I talk about mellow, too. I mean, I, yeah. I, that's the kind of person I would expect that personality because the, the horses can obviously feel yeah. everything about how you are as a person. And you better have that personality, that, that calming, easy, you know, way about you. I, I think horses would, would obviously love to have a personality like that, leading them. And then, you know, to be a teacher and to do all this stuff, you know, then, then to be able to teach kids. 
So you're really working with kids, people, and horses. So you have to be yeah. able to work with a lot of different personalities to be able to be successful at what you do. Uh, you're doing a great job, obviously. Yeah, and, and like I said, I remember when Nicole uh, started taking um, lessons when she was younger. Yeah. And I, I think she would have continued it um, and, and gotten to the competitive level. Um, it does take a lot of money to yeah. compete. Oh, yeah. And I know it's a different kind of competition than what Amy's doing. Yeah. But, uh, Nicole, I mean, just seeing her with the horses and and you're right I mean the personalities of you can't get on a horse and be this this angry person and even if you are this angry person when you get on a horse I guarantee that when you get off that horse you're not going to be angry anymore Mm -hmm. because riding them is just so peaceful and and relaxing and they're just they're they're beautiful creatures I've said a million times yeah uh, most people I know no one no one probably from my Facebook page or anyone who's listened to me is, uh, is listening to this, but uh, my dad had a ranch back when I was about seven or eight years old in uh, Connecticut. And uh, he had about 13 horses, and um, it was gorgeous. I mean, I spent, I think, three or four Fourth of Julys out there with my dad on his ranch. And so I'm sure you know, his friends would probably remember the ranch in Connecticut that my dad used to have. And, uh, you know, like I said, I doubt they're listening, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it, what, a, what a memory. I mean, I can remember lighting off little Fourth of July fireworks, little sparklers and all that stuff at the barn and the ranch. And, man, memories of riding those horses. I mean, my dad taking me through all the little trails. And uh, he'd be on a big horse. I was on a smaller horse. And he'd have the horse take off. I'd be, Dad, stop! <laughs> you know, like uh, doing 25 miles an hour down these trails when you're 9, 10 years old. It scares the hell out of you, you know. And it was, yeah, I had my own horse, of course. And uh, it was, it was, um, uh, yeah. Stuff, you don't forget stuff you like have, that. Do you have a picture of you on a no, horse? No, I don't think I have any pictures of that. I don't, I don't remember taking any, really, when we were there. I, I mean, I don't remember taking any. I mean, and obviously, I didn't save them. If I did, obviously, it's something that happened to them. I don't think I don't think I ever took pictures of being in uh, Connecticut at the ranch with my dad for those few years. But, uh, man, horses, yeah. I, love, I, I miss that. Uh, I haven't been around a, a horse or a ranch Really, in in years, and then bringing back memories like that really makes you just want to go see what's out there again. You know, because we have yeah. a ranch, we have this ranch right by here, over on off of Bassett Road. Yep. For the, or off we have the a lot of horse road. ranches yeah. up here in the Hudson Valley. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a common thing up here. Oh. I have a, I have several friends of mine who own horses, and um, you know, it, it's it's there's just so much space yeah. and and so much um land up here. here it's a perfect place. Um, you know, of course, in Jersey where she is. I can't see she got eleven acres in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, if you go more towards South, Southern New Jersey, yeah. it's Southern it New Jersey. Up. It opens yeah. up, and uh, Southern New Jersey. I, I love Southern New Jersey, uh, just because of all the the smaller towns and the bigger yeah. fields. Southern New Jersey and Northern New York. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stay away from the middle, and you're all set. Well, stay away from the middle, but yeah, definitely if you're looking for land, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but that that was awesome. I mean, like I said, oh, I learned man. a lot. And the next time we see it in the Olympics, uh, I'm going to keep a closer eye. But all you really have to do is if you guys go to YouTube and you actually type in um, horse dressage, dressage yeah. videos, and yeah. some of them are just so yeah. cool to watch. These I never knew horses could yeah. dance like that. Yeah, and it's just amazing. I'm back to be literally dancing. Like, yeah, yeah and it, it really, it really, well, they're not on their back feet. I've seen they, them do that, but they have them, them on their up. back feet and just do the quick, you know, I, have to, I think they actually have to hold them up for a second to, to actually get a point. Wow. If I remember right. Wow, I, that's I, amazing. Yeah, I, I think they have to do something with a walk in it or a, yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, so thanks, Amy, for, for uh, stopping yeah. by. And uh, I'm, like, super excited yeah. to press this button. You I think? really am. Right. I really am. Press the I'm button. Do it. I'm press the do button. It because I seriously hope that this is Colt calling in. Oh Colt, my is it you? God. This is me. Colt, how are you, man? Thank you so much for calling uh, in. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, man? Man, we're so excited to have you here. Yeah. You have no idea, man. We've been talking about this all week. You know, the book is fantastic, man. Uh, we we love stuff, books like this because it's just it's personal, man. This there's a big story behind this, and this is a big personality you've got going on here with your dad. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Thank you, well, man. It was quite a quite a project to do, so we're we're pretty proud of it. Yeah, you think? Actually, that's where I want to start. So first we're going to tell our audience that the person that we're speaking to is Colt Baratunes, and he is the son of Ra- who is called Rowdy Roddy Piper yeah. and uh, one of the most iconic wrestling legends of all time. Now, now um, TJ knows that uh, I have been a wrestling fan since I was, wow, I'm going to date myself, but um, since I was about eight years old. So I, I watched, I mean, I was a huge fan of your dad. And, oh, my and God. I, I wanted to, to talk to you about this because the book came out so soon, like, after your dad passed. And, I, I mean, I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you sat and, and went through all these memories and all these interviews and all this background and, and while mourning your dad's loss, I mean, why? How did you get through that? And like, why not wait a while? I mean, what? Why take on this undertaking? Well, uh, it's an interesting question. So yeah, it was definitely a weird time to do it because for me, in the grieving process, I wanted to be completely left alone. I didn't want to talk about that. I didn't want to look at pictures. I didn't want to do anything. And this really forced me, my sister. Uh, yeah, Colt, I got to tell you, we're having, we're having a little hard time hearing you. You're you're kind of breaking up a bit. Gotcha. How are you doing now? Any better? That's yeah. a little better, yeah. No. How's it? Yeah. Better? We'll let you know once you keep talking. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, it was very interesting because it, this forced us to be engulfed in uh my father's life and career. And it was definitely an, uh, a weird way and time to do it. And the reason we did it so quickly uh, after Dad had passed away is because he had actually started this book. This book was supposed to be his memoirs and his life story through his eyes because he was at a point in his life where he was, you know, 61 years old, and he didn't feel he could be Rowdy Roddy Piper to the full extent that Rowdy Roddy Piper needed to be. So he needed to evolve as an entertainer which he's done many times over his career. Uh, That's just the point he was at in his life. And unfortunately, about six weeks into writing this book, he had gotten called away for work and never had the opportunity to restart again. Uh, So what he had done was done some interviews with his mom, his sisters, and that kind of stuff, but had nothing written down. So we had gotten this project, like I said, about six weeks uh, of him being into it. And all we had were these tapes of dad talking to his mom and his sisters. And you could imagine uh, about, oh, two months after your father passed, you're getting all this information and you're being forced to listen to it and think about it and uh, write your own feelings down. It's a, it's a hard thing to ask of anybody. But the reason we did this is because dad started it and we are the Tombs clan. Uh, if you, if dad needed any help, me and my sisters would be there and vice versa. If we ever needed anything, dad would be there for us. 
So we really felt we had to finish this for Dad because we know he had never gone in his entire life not finishing a job. He was a workhorse. And so we really believed we needed to finish this for him. And it turned out to be an incredible tool for grieving because it really was hard, but it forced us to face our fears and to really, really grow from them. Yeah, man. And, and, and there's so many times in this book that you actually end up smiling anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> there were so many times, and, and we, we looked at this book from your perspective about thinking about you writing it and, and still imagining you guys kind of laughing at some of the stuff that comes up in here because there, there, there's so much. Man, he was hysterical. I, I don't, I, you know, people think that he was just a, a you know, a, not only just a legend, but he was, the, you know, the bad guy, the whole, dude, your dad was hysterical, man. And, and I think a lot of people miss that. <laughs> and you notice it all throughout this book, all the funny shit that you guys put in here. I call it, that's just, he's hysterical, man. I'm, I'm sorry, Cole, he was hysterical. No, he was, and that's so, he, everybody took him so seriously because he was, you know, ready, 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 ready. Yeah. There was this energy about him that he entered a room. It didn't matter if, you know, I just broke up with a girlfriend or, you know, it didn't matter what it was. If I was depressed as can be, if he walked in that room, there was just this energy that was infectious. And you couldn't help but want to be motivated, get stuff done, and have an absolute wonderful time. He just really, it was a gift he had. He could motivate people. Yeah, it, it, it. I, I agree with all of that. Oh, yeah. But his his life didn't exactly start out yeah, that way, man. though, because he had a little bit of some tough roads in the beginning. And, and I mean, you know, with, with his own dad, and, and a lot of people don't break that cycle. You know, it's like you have that bad parent and you turn into, you know, you get some of those yeah. qualities from your bad, bad. But he broke those habits. So tell us a little bit about, you know, some of his rough, rougher times when he was growing up, especially the time that he got kind of beat up, you know, the whole pot thing. Oh, man. You know, I mean, that was just, like, crazy. <laughs> oh, well, you got to understand, he grew up in a different era than most kids today are, are you know, they don't even hear these <laughs> stories anymore. But Dad grew up in a time, so he would literally travel from town to town as a kid because his father – uh, was a railroad officer, so that meant he was the only officer for a railroad for X amount of miles, sometimes, you know, four or 500 miles, and you can imagine, this is the one cop in the territory, it's a pretty dangerous place to be. Uh, so dad would travel around, and he had to be a perfect little kid, which obviously, you know, it wasn't really in his nature. He was always a troublemaker and wanting to get into stuff and cause ruckus. Uh, but he, uh, like you were saying, uh, the cycle usually gets broken. He took all these incidences, when he was a kid, and he refused to pass those bonds. And most people, these kind of things happen to them, and they take it as a negative um, impact on their personality, and they grow into this angry, bitter person that just wants everybody to be as miserable as they are. But he didn't do that. He took all of his bad experiences, no matter how uh, bad and dark they were, and he grew from them. And he made sure that he did not pass any of that on to us kids. And that, he really worked as hard as he worked as an entertainer and a pro wrestler. He worked as hard as a father. Uh, he took it very, very seriously. He never had a family that he really, you know, when he was a kid, he didn't have that close-knit family that a kid needs. And he really wanted to give that to us, which is very interesting because in the lifestyle that he lives, families usually break up. They're usually not very close because there's so much limelight and so much negativeness on that family. Uh, usually the exact opposite of what you want to have happens. But Dad worked so hard to make sure that we were this family, that everybody loved each other. I mean, we all talked every single day. And, you know, we've had a ton of years. And you have to 
we grew up with our dad being the number one heel in the world. We didn't get to grow up with the number one good guy. We had the number one bad guy, which makes it a very weird place for a kid to grow up. But <laughs> the same. dad never had to uh, put that into us children. Like you were saying, I mean, he was in, I don't want to give too much away in the book. This is a really good story. But basically, you know, there was a local drug lord of sorts, and Dad just decided to mix it up with him because that's the way Dad was. He didn't care. He didn't have any fear. None of it. And this is whole town that was fighting, whether it was through business, in the ring, out of the ring. He was always fighting, and he believed that fighting could get him a family, and it did. And uh, it's one hell of a life to be about. Yeah, and you know, there's one cool story that yeah, I am going to give away a little bit of something here, man. The Bruno Mars. How Bruno dare Martino. you? No, go for it. <laughs> in no tower, man. What's wrong with you? Um, the Bruno <laughs> Martino stuff, man. When your dad just got out of rehab for that second time, and everyone thought he had cancer again when he was just in rehab, it was okay. <laughs> and they right. put shots on bond, shots upon shots in front of him, and there you are making sure everything's okay, taking it on the chin for dad, man. That was pretty cool. Great story about you taking it for dad there, man. I love that story. <laughs> oh, you, you know, it's, it was an interesting time because the best of you that don't know, my dad went to rehab and he was a recovered and he was very proud of it. And it was a thing like, you know, me and my dad had always partied growing up or, you know, perhaps after when I was of age, it was a great time. That's just the way it worked. And then all of a sudden, here it comes, and Dad is really proud to be sober, but he's with all of his old friends for the first time. And, you know, Rick Flair's there, and he's throwing kamikazes in front of you. It's, you know, your best friend of 20-plus years. You want to drink with the guy. So you kind of – that's just what a son does for a father, and I do believe that's something that's lost in today's age. Uh, it didn't matter what how bad I looked or what I needed to do. As long as I was taking care of Dad is all that really mattered. And uh, that's what we always did in our relationship. We always took care of each other. But here I am, you know, six, seven shots down, you know, two seats to the wind already, and Dad's just loving it. He's seeing this pure moment of his son trying to protect his father. And in reality, Dad could have protected himself, no problem. But it's just the love that we had for each other. It didn't matter what I had to do or he did. We would do anything for each other. And it, it really made yeah. for a great, uh, great life. Yeah, oh, I loved it, man. I couldn't stop laughing. And uh, yeah, I had an obstacle. I was dying, man. Um, I, you know, I gotta take you back to that first entrance at Winnipeg Arena. I, I mean, more laughing, man. I, I, I can't believe. I need to make a grand entrance. So what does he do, man? He finds his pipe band with the kilts and the bagpipes, and he's throwing dandelions around instead of roses. Oh my God, man! I, I, I still laugh. I can't even believe I got through that chapter. I was laughing so hard, man. I can just envision him wearing the kilt with the bagpipes in the band and throwing dandelions out into the crowd, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, yep, that's my dad. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff this whole life, like, you, you really about your father. Like, you know, they went, they walked uh, up and still broke away to school and did all these crazy things. And you always think that, you know, they're embellished a bit. But dad's life wasn't, whether it was going to school or, like you are saying, Throwing dandelions, prancing around in a kilt and bagpipes, trying to get people to hate you. It's a pretty amazing image when you think about it. Uh, and that's just the way that Dad was and lived. And this book tells all these amazing stories that made Rowdy Roddy Piper who he is or who he was. All these great stories that helped him develop. And he really had one of the most incredible lives in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a wrestling fan or not. You're going to dig it. If you're not a wrestling fan, you're going to be a Roderick George Toombs fan. Yeah. 
Let me ask you, did he um, talk about, like, the current state of where the WWE was going? Because, I mean, when I was growing up, it was, like, once a week, and it was, you know, you tuned in on Saturday night at 11 o'clock, and you watched an hour, and you tried to catch it on Lucha Libre if you could, you know, to catch some of the the (laughs) wrestling over there. That's how old we are, man. Yeah, shut up. So... (laughs) So that that was about the extent of it, and then it has grown to this absolutely unbelievable, um, you know, like just industry with the women and and all the like the Miz coming up. He's kind of like following in your dad's footsteps. Did he talk about how he really felt about how WWE is today as compared to when he started? Absolutely. So obviously I, I'm a, I was a pro MMA fighter and now I'm a pro wrestler of about four years now. So dad, obviously me and him talked a ton about wrestling and the way it's evolved over the years. And uh, the way the empire that the WWE has built is amazing because it gives you a platform to shoot for. Back in the old days, the gunslinging days, there wasn't a place you could go. You had to go territory to territory to territory to try to make some kind of name and living where now you have this gigantic um, force that you can go and join and immediately get stardom and uh, be recognized as a pro wrestler. The only thing that we ever, we agreed upon as far as um, something that's a little bit more negative today in wrestling than it was is whether it's, you know, the huge shows or the little ones, whatever promoter is there, they always want full control now. So when you, back in the good old days, uh, when you were a pro wrestler, you say you're Rowdy Roddy Piper. You best know how to sell Rowdy Roddy Piper because you've done it a thousand times. So they would hire you as a package. They knew you could talk, you could sell yourself, you could sell seats, and you could get the people to come every single weekend for those shows. But nowadays, the promoters want full control over you, and that is where a little bit of the magic is getting lost. Now, those the guys that have made it way to the top. They, you know, they have a little bit more control, and they're doing they're doing some darn good work. But the, you need to be able to allow the wrestlers to develop their character and learn how to sell it in order for them to be not only more successful, but your business as well. Because you can't. It's like a fighter. You can't properly manage you know a dozen fighters. You can properly manage one fighter. And a one yeah, fighter knows true. how to sell himself. And that's what's lost yeah. in today's professional wrestling, in my opinion. And Dad did agree on that one with me. Let's talk about some of that, man, because you are in wrestling right now. Uh, you know, how do you shake the stigma of who your dad was? And, and yet, you, you know, I know you trained with your dad a little bit, too. So you're taking, you know, so you're taking something from him, but yet trying to not be like him because you're trying to be you. Have you, have you struggled with an identity, man? I, I mean, has it, has it, everyone knows who your dad is, Colt. So, you know, double shaking the stigma of who your dad is, man. You know, yes and no. Uh, For a long time, I thought it was kind of a a little bit of a curse. Like, for instance, uh, my first MMA fight, I trained for almost a year. Uh, I had worked really hard. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew I was Rowdy Ray Piper's son. I just went by Colt Toombs. And then the day of my fight, somebody found out and told a guy, and they introduced me as Rowdy Roddy Piper's son and didn't even say my name. They completely wow. forgot my name and didn't say it. And so there's always things, no matter how hard I work, I'm always going to be Rowdy Roddy Piper's son. And I looked at it as a curse. You know, when, I, when you're younger, you know, when you're, you know, 12 to 18 and you're trying to find who you are, it can be a big identity crisis always being Rowdy Roddy Piper's son. No matter what you do, he kind of gets the credit for it. But as I got older, it became more, uh, I was proud of it. You know, now I'm proud. I know that I'm Rowdy yeah. Roddy Piper's son. And you kind of, you, you get to a point where that you don't necessarily accept it, but you learn to love it. 
And uh, for a long time, there was an identity crisis. I wanted to be Colt Toombs, Colt Toombs, Colt Toombs, but I made peace with it a long time ago. I am Rowdy Roddy Piper's son, and you know what? I'm darn proud of it. My dad was an incredible man, and I'm going to live up to it the best I can. But it does at times make it hard in wrestling because my dad trained me in MMA. He trained me in pro wrestling. He's trained me my whole life. So there's certain things I do that are just like him, like whether I move certain ways like him, and it always is kind of a reflection and a reminder of dad. And I have definitely run into some trouble where people are like, you're trying to be too much like your dad. And I'm like, no, sir, I'm just being myself. Just so happens that's my dad, and he's trained me for, you know, 27 years now. You're going to do some of the things that the guy does, and they have a hard time, you know, deciphering the two. But I think as I'm getting older and getting a better grasp on pro wrestling and psychology, I'm I'm getting over better as uh, Colt Toombs rather than Roddy Piper's son, which is great. You know, it's, uh, it's a hard shadow to get out from under it, but at the same time, you know, it's my dad's shadow, and I'm not sure I ever want to get out from under it completely. Yeah, no shit, man. No, that's the best answer you could have hit me with, man. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Colt, i got to ask you, man. I'm, I'm going to get a little personal here with you, man. Axel, Jim Duggan. All right. This, what, this was extremely tough for him, man. Obviously, you know how close he and your dad were. We all saw how much this affected him. That, that 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 took a lot out of him, man. We all felt bad for Jim Duggan too. We knew how close that those two were, and that that was tough, yeah. man. I, I just, tell, tell us about how how your relationship with Hacksaw is kind of carrying on now. Well, you know, uh, so I grew up obviously in the wrestling world. So all these guys kind of got an opportunity to see me become from a boy to a man. And Jim Duggan was one of the ones that Dad, they just connected. They could do this stupidest jokes in the world and they'd be the only two <laughs> laughing in the room but they had the best dang time doing it and you get to the point where you know i have about 13 uncles that are not related at all like uncle bob who's sergeant slaughter i got uncle duggan you know hacksaw uh, uncle gene uh judo gene the bell uh uncle brett all these guys that are i grew up with and so you know they almost look at you as another son and they take it on as their responsibility because being a pro wrestler, you are part of a brotherhood and a fraternity. And uh, as far as Hacksaw goes, we text regularly and this kind of stuff because he is not just a great wrestler, but he's an incredible man and truly loved my dad. And because of that, he feels in my, and this is my opinion, sir. He feels that uh, he needs to look after me as respect to my dad. Uh, and he really has been like another uncle. And when you come to the, like the funeral, for instance, a lot of them, uh, like Uncle Bob, he didn't even say a word to me. He came up to me, gave me the biggest hug in the world, and said, I can't. And we were just on the same page. We know we were so close and known each other for so long. It's just nothing needed to be said. Uh, there's such a close-knit family there. I know if I'm ever in trouble or ever, ever need anybody, those are the kind of people I can call. And I know, without a doubt, they'll come and help. That's awesome. Nice. And um Love that. You so, need that. yeah, you definitely need that and um Absolutely. just uh you know, just it, it, we all feel from like the WWE family of of viewers oh, and yeah. fans and that we we grieved with you. So, oh, yeah. um you know, I want you to know that and um let let us know like what's where are you going to be next? Like are you now are you still doing the circuit? Can we see you on an, a roster or an NXT thing anything anytime soon? Like tell us about your career. Well, uh, so if you want to follow me, uh, uh, at Colt Toombs is my Twitter. And uh, I am currently in Las Vegas for a startup wrestling company here called Revolution Sports. And it's going to be the uh, biggest wrestling thing here in Vegas. And I just uh, currently got a contract with them, and they're just getting started. So that's where I'm going to be wrestling uh, full-time coming up here soon when they get uh, their feet off the ground called Revolution Sports. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, we're actually next year. Hopefully, we'll stop and see you. We're heading back out to the West Coast next September, so hopefully, we'll have a chance to be in Vegas again. And in the meantime, can oh, you tell beautiful. everybody like where they? Yeah. Oh, it is. And can you tell everybody like where they can get the book? And and um, I know you told us about following you, but is it available everywhere or you know online Absolutely. or for you? So- Absolutely. The book, Rowdy, is available on Amazon and also at any of your local retailers. We are pretty much everywhere right now. And, uh, yeah, Amazon.com. And you can also go to RowdyRoddyPiper.com to order certain Hot Rod merchandise, and the books will be up there shortly as well. But as of right this second, if you want the book, you can go to Amazon.com or walk into any bookstore that's local, man. They all, they all got them for us. Terrific. Cole, thank you so much for coming by and talking yeah, to us about the book. It's a fantastic Seriously. tribute to your dad. Seriously. So glad you guys finished this for him. I'd be very proud of you. And um, thanks again for, for sharing your story. Yeah, Good man. luck with your career. And, you know, come back on, on the air down yeah, the man. road when the, when the wrestling's been on for a while and tell us uh, how that's going. I'll make okay? <laughs> I look forward to it, man. Thank you for having me. I, I'm just these books and these projects we do literally are nothing without you guys. If you guys weren't here every day spreading the word for us, we'd be nowhere. So I really appreciate you having me on as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course, man. You have 6,051 followers now, man, because I just threw you at home. <laughs> ah, man, yeah, but thank uh, you, man. Cool, man. That's cool, man. Again, thanks so much, man. Great, great success ahead, man. I want to see you on WWE here pretty quick. Tearing it down, man. Tearing it down. Oh, man. <laughs> I look forward to it, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Cole. We'll see you later, man. All right. That's awesome. All right. That's awesome. I mean, we, we just had Cole Toombs on the show. <laughs> Rowdy. Rowdy. Oh, Rowdy, Rowdy. You know. I, 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 I got I to tell you, though, from from an author's perspective, um, it's very hard to pick up somebody else's project, even if it is your father. Uh, because you, you don't quite know how he wanted to present it um, to, to his fans, what kind of stories he wanted to tell, um, things that he didn't get a chance to actually tell anybody that he would have remembered as time went on, you know, and, and had a chance to put in the book. Um, the fact that not only is this book, um, you know, a great tribute to his dad, but it's a thick book. It's a 400-page book. Not like a little... Uh... You know, I mean, it's not eight by eleven size, but it's uh, yeah. it's at least a, a, a nine by six, man. Yep. I mean, it's a big book. I mean, it's and the pictures yep. are cool. We didn't get to discuss any of the pictures in there. There's, there's about uh, oh, maybe eight or ten pictures of all just pages, uh, pictures, and it's uh, man, it's awesome. Look, I mean, yeah. look at some of this stuff. Uh, and and I, like I said, I mean, I've been watching wrestling for years since I was a kid, and right. I've seen Rowdy and and um and he dropped. Apparently, he dropped Rowdy later. Um, yeah. He just became Roddy Piper. Yeah. Um, either way, I saw Rowdy Roddy uh, several times yeah. in my life as a person. Yeah. And he was always so much fun when he walked in, and he's he's one of those characters where, and I say character because that's exactly what these guys do. They yeah. put on a character. Yeah. And he walked in, and he didn't have to do anything. No. He just walked in with this confidence, well, this yeah. swagger, that I'm here, get up off, get up out of your feet and worship me. And um, good, whether you love him as a, as a good guy, a bad guy, a, a host of the show or whatever, he was just always so much fun to watch. So sad that we watched him at, um, at 61. Yeah, man. And like we and, talked and, about. And it was, it's tough to read in the book, too, yeah. because – Everyone saw it. 
I mean, you, you, that last chapter is is one of the toughest chapters to read. I, I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's called Finish. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a proper, I guess that's a proper title for the, the last uh, chapter of this book, I guess. But yeah, it's tough to watch everybody, even his mom saying, you know, when we were talking about his uh, his three uncles that he lost and uh, due to heart um, heart complications. And, he's, you know, and with him being quoted saying when his mom said, you know, I, I, hope, I guess when I go, maybe I could die of a heart attack. You see stuff like that. It's just like, ouch, you know, because that's obviously what took him. and took him in the middle, you know, right, when he was sleeping. I guess that's a good thing. I, I guess I think if you're going to go, you might as well be sleeping when it happens. Exactly. But, yeah, some of those, it's tough. So many people are telling him to take care of yourself. Like, you need to, you know, get 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 you know get to the doctor. Everyone saw what was coming, and then it came, and and. That was tough. That final chapter of this book is tough, but there's so many funny things. Oh, my God. You're going to laugh reading the book. Overall, you're going to laugh reading this book. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look who we're talking about. Yeah, so, that's it. So, yeah. um, and, and I'm going to leave before we before we say goodbye um, for the week. I am going to leave and, and let people know that, you know, interestingly, he wore a Scottish kilt. He said he was Scottish. <laughs> he was not. He was <laughs> born in Canada. So, um, that, again, it's part of the whole character. Yeah. But Christmas is coming up. If you have a wrestling fan out there, oh, they yeah. will really enjoy this Great. book. Sorry. So definitely it really is well written. So I want to thank Colt for coming by and, um, you know, uh, talking to us about the book. I want to thank Amy Howard. And uh, I want to let you guys know we'll be back next week with another show. Um, And tune in then. In the meantime, you can follow us at Palooza Radio on Twitter. You can check out our our Facebook page as well. You can also check out our website at um, radio at radio.sportspalooza.com. And uh, let us know how we're doing. If there's something you want to talk about or see on the show, you know, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to call me EJ yep. Gar, you can oh, call me EJ Gar. You can call him whatever you want, yeah. honestly. Just call me Snow Queen. Yes. However, we will not be back next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yeah. And we will be back the following week with yeah. a new show. And yeah. I want to give a shout-out because my daughter was actually born on Thanksgiving 24 years ago. Weird. So I want to thank – I want to um, give her a shout-out and say right. uh, happy birthday to Nicole. And um, we will be back in two weeks with another show. And please have a very safe and happy please, Thanksgiving. Please stay safe. Please enjoy your food. Get fat and enjoy it. Oh. Well, you don't have to get fat, but at least enjoy your food. All right, yeah, football. 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 <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Uh, again, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in this week. Lloyd, uh, Amy, and Colton, we certainly did. My God, that's fun stuff, man. All right, we are out of here. Hopefully, Amy will get in her schedule. We'll let everybody know about the schedule coming up. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Colton, man. You are awesome. So much fun. All right, we're out of here. Take Bye-bye. care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>